Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at Smash underscore ASD. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as we get a word from our sponsor. And Jeff, we have a we have a great new guest coming in. He's been here before, so stand by and make sure you check out check out the indicators to see if somebody because somebody comes in here, somebody comes in here. It's our we have and we have just a great guest tonight. Uh, the podcast tonight is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia, at three hundred one. South Main Street, Suite 107, Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. You can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at, at Main Street Farm. Again, welcome back to the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. This is the podcast of allsportsdiscussion.com. And, uh, man, it's... Just, we are really looking forward to this guest coming on tonight. We have a return guest this week on the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the country. His name is Chaz Rich. He is the creator and owner of Pit of PitBlather.com. He is a freelance writer and editor. But you can follow him on Twitter at, at ChazRich27. He blogs about... Pittsburgh Athletics. Jeff, uh, would you like to talk about ACC baseball for a moment? Uh, to see, uh, and I want to check to see if we're having some te- technical difficulties here. So let me let me check with let me check with our guests. But if you could wrap up what what happened this weekend for baseball, we'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. There, Matthew. Uh, taking a look around the the ACC. Uh, I know Duke got an important series win at Georgia Tech, taking two out of three in Atlanta. Uh, Georgia Tech continues to struggle with their pitching. Um, you know, they have an RPI in the top 15. They could very well be playing to uh, host a regional, but they can't get that pitching together at all today they scored 14 14 runs and lost 15 to 14 uh to duke this is one of the best offenses in college baseball combined with one of the worst pitching staffs going and that's they're going to make the ncaa tournament but that's why they can't they just can't get ahead uh this weekend to duke gave up 11 in a win on friday eight and then 15. That's how you cost yourself a regional. Duke, on the other hand, got their RPI into the 100s. They're still 18 and 22. Uh, they've got a lot of work to do yet still, but it was a good start to uh, get that series win. And let's check out the rest of the ACC at the moment. Uh, Miami uh, looking good to be one of the top eight national seeds uh, leading the coastal 31 and nine. They lost today. Um, But, 
you know, you got to feel pretty good about Miami. Virginia won four in a row. Uh, they had a little hiccup a couple of weeks ago, but they seem to have righted the ship. Virginia Tech has been playing very well. They're 28-9. Uh, they have a decent chance to host a, a, a regional. Uh, the team that's that you really have to look at is kind of struggling here is North Carolina, now with three losses in a row, 23-17. and 17. And they're down there with Duke, but Duke's playing much better as of late. In the Atlantic Division, you've got Notre Dame. They've won five games in a row. Uh, if they keep playing like that, they'll be a regional top eight seed. Uh, Wake Forest lost three games this weekend to kind of slip back. Uh, Clemson is the team that you you need to watch here, I think, a little bit going forward. They have started to play some really quality baseball over the last you know couple of weeks got a series win uh over wake forest they beat georgia at georgia so they have two wins over uh a top 15 team in georgia and for a team that uh, clemson team that's probably going to be on the bubble that's a really key couple of wins they have there and then they took two uh against florida state this weekend who's lost a couple series in a row so Clemson's, Clemson's trying to work themselves back into it. Got a top 40 RPI. Uh, I don't know if I really see a national title contender in the ACC. Uh, maybe Miami, maybe Virginia, uh, Notre Dame. But this is a really, really deep uh, conference uh, for baseball that could put as many as 10 teams into the tournament. Uh, on the other side, Oh, I see Pitt, I see Pitt Blather now. Uh, yeah, before I finish there, taking a look at softball, this is, I don't know how many of you are aware of it, but the ACC could have the best conference in all of college football, softball, uh, a really emerging sport here. Uh, Virginia Tech is very good. Uh, Duke is strong. Florida State, you know, you know their history. Clemson has struggled there at Florida State, but they're very good. Georgia Tech's coming on strong this year. Um, so really, really quality softball league. Uh, Matthew, are you ready to go with Pit Blather? I am. I am. Chaz Rich is here. We have a return guest on the show this week. And Chaz Rich, he is the creator and owner of PitBlather.com. And he's a freelance writer and editor. You can follow him on Twitter at, at ChazRich27. That's at C-H-A-S-R-I-C-H 27. And he blogs about Pittsburgh athletics. He is not affiliated with the university, so he can write what, what he wants. And he has all of those sorts of disclosures on his website. So, Chaz, man, we're so happy to have you come back on the show. And I imagine that, you know, this is the, probably the earliest we've had you on there on this show. And I, I think it's I think personally that's intention that's intentional because for our money, I think Jeff and I, and Jeff and I will get into this later. The, later in the show, Pittsburgh may be the favorite to win the Coastal and the ACC this year, and I'm I'm coming out and saying that now. So, Chaz, man, the floor is yours. Plug anything that you want. Uh, I'm glad to be back. One of these days, I really do have to get that site fixed. Uh, just a one of those things where you get older and you're like. I don't know what I did wrong here, but I can't fix it. Kind of like how I struggled to get onto the onto the podcast today. A little struggle on the new new system, and 
but I made it. So we're here, and I'm not really in the mood to plug anything. I'm just in a good mood right now. This is this, <laughs> this is good news. This is good news. So before we get to football, because that's what this podcast is about, we're here to – this podcast is really going to be about a preview of 22, 2022 uh, Pittsburgh football. We want to ask you some brief, a brief basketball question. Were you surprised at the at the uh, university's decision to retain Jeff Capel for Pitt men's basketball? The floor is yours. Oh, so so we're going to just bring me right down, are we? Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I wish I was. I want to be surprised, but the issue was, you know, as, as well known, he had a he has a buyout. He has like a reportedly anywhere from 10 to 15 million dollar buyout and before he came in they had to buy out you know kevin stallings and there's only so many times you can go through that in a short period so i frustrated and i just feeling down on pit basketball at the moment oh yes very much so but was i surprised he came back for another year no i mean i'm not surprised financially and I'm just trying to have some hope here on that front. I hear you 100%. That's a reasonable take. Jeff, you're up, buddy. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, let's get into football here, Chaz. And um, Matthew and I have been kind of looking at some all ACC teams. And I think we know why you're feeling so good because. Pitt has got a team coming back. I mean, we really believe this is one of the two or three best teams in the ACC. So let's jump into it. What are some of the major strengths coming back next year for Pittsburgh? Uh, you've got to start. You've got to really start with the wide receiving core. You have Jordan Asson coming, you know, back for one more year. You know, the Blitnikoff Award winner, and he probably won't put up the numbers he put up last year simply because the quarterback change and because of the depth that is there. Jared Wayne is back. You've got a new, you've got a transfer from Akron uh, Mumfield, who's really good. And we'll touch on him later. I'm sure uh, you've got Bradley. You've got a bunch of guys in the receiving core that just look like they can really do something when they get the ball. So that is the, that is the most obvious part where they're really strong and going to help whoever is the starting quarterback, you know, and then you follow that up. You've got a running back core that also really looks good. You've got some depth that they, that, you know, Narduzzi's craved because he's, you know, he's still a defensive minded coach. He wants to have them work the clock. You've got a new offensive coordinator that wants a balanced attack in Frank Signetti. So you're going to see a lot more of the running game, and you've got so many backs. It's going to be very interesting to see how that shakes out in that front, and that that's just on the offensive side. On the you know over the defense, that whole defensive line, the interior and exterior, is just there's a lot. You know that's going to be that's their strength. That's where they've been developing depth. They've got so much depth there. There's no one player you can say for sure is going to be the standout because they just rotate so many in. It's everything Narduzzi's wanted. And they're just going to keep bringing the pressure, which is what they're going to do. And hopefully the secondary, I think, will be 
even stronger than last year, which was shaky at times. But they're asked to do a lot on their own because they're bringing the pressure up front every time. So those are the, those four areas are definitely the, probably the strongest parts of the of pit this year. All right, now let's go on the flip side, Chaz. What what are some of the major weaknesses for the Panthers? Uh, in other words, what do you think they'll be working on before the first game? And you know, we're getting into that schedule. They they got to be ready going from game one. And uh, what are the questions that you think have to be resolved? I, you know, it's weird to say that the offensive line is a question mark considering everyone is back on there. But my question on the offensive line is with the running game. They, are, they have been great in pass protection. And they, you know, obviously working with, you know, Kenny Pickett for a number of years, they had a system in place. Everything was fine there. So you're going to have a new quarterback, whether it's probably Slovis or whether it's Patty. They're going to have to get used to him being under center. And they've got to be able to run block this year. That's been a problem for them. I mean, it was not as big an issue because they've been so so much emphasis on the pass. But this year, I you, they are going to be looking to run as almost as much as they are pass. And they've got to be able to run block. So that's going to be a big question. Uh, that leads into, like I said, the quarterback position. You don't, you know. They're going into a great – they have a great spot here because Keaton – you know, Keaton Slovis is presumed to be the starter, and I wouldn't bet against it right now. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be transferring from USC to Pitt if he didn't think he was going to be starting or at least given every opportunity to win the job. And you can't – I can't judge anything yet from, you know, the spring game because the spring game was, as it always is, very vanilla, very plain. There was nothing there that stood out on the offense – and so, you know, technically, you know, when you look at the stats, Patty actually had a better game. But Slovis is probably going to be the guy. And it's just going to be a matter of him getting you, you know, everyone getting used on the same page. Now, the on defense, the one question is still going to be the linebackers. They've, they've, always, they've been struggling to get the linebacking core in order, like just have enough depth. They've got some good players on the line to start. But, they, you know, you've got to rotate the linebackers. And I still a question of depth there. Who's going to really be there and who's really good enough? Uh, after that, it's really just special teams. The kicking game is, you know, you know, field goal kicking is average at best, on a, you know, at best. And they've got a new punt. They've got a new punter. And so I have no idea what to expect on that front, to be quite honest. So that would be the biggest concerns, you know, just field position, I guess. All right, um, Chaz, we, you know, what what is your take on the new Pittsburgh recruits or transfers? And you already mentioned um, a little bit about the the USC transfer Slovis. Um, you know, who who are some of the newcomers that that you're impressed with the most? And are there any that you think will get major playing time right away? And and I know you mentioned uh, Slovis already was likely you thought to is going to win out that job and. And you know, great job by Narduzzi in the transfer portal. You lose Pickett, and you get an experienced player like that out of USC. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's I've been very impressed the way he's handled the transfer portal. He he kind of gives you know he's not, he's an old style coach. So he's going to complain about not quite to the level that say uh, 
Sweeney's going to complain about it, but he he's got some he's got his qualms with it, but he uses it to fill the holes that he sees in the in the team, and so he saw the quarterback need to be filled, and he was able to go out and get Slovis, and he was able to do that so quickly that was surprising to me. I won't, I don't know how he did that, but he really con- apparently convinced him just over Zoom calls, which is weird. But the guy that I would say that's going to have the most impact, right, you know, aside from Slovis, probably, would be, like I said, uh, Kanata Mumfield, who's a wide receiver out of, who came from Akron, transferred over from Akron. He was second all-MAC last year, but he's really good. He had a big catch in the spring game. He just looks so sharp. And he, you know, he just looks like he's going to really be a great compliment with Jordan Addison, again, the passing game is going to be something can be really special more than it was already, you know, because there's so much depth, so many places they can go with it. Uh, they also took advantage, you know, just for straight newcomers. I don't know that you're going to see anyone from the freshman class this year really make an impact as far as, you know, high, out of high school because they won a red shirt and it was not a large class. The other person that's going to make an impact is uh, Shane Simon who is a linebacker also, and I, I spoke about the need for depth there. He's a transferred in, grad transfer from Notre Dame, former four-star recruit. He just never found a place there. He had an interception in the spring game, jumped the route on Slovis, no less. So he looks like he could. he's going to add some real help on the linebacking and just real depth there. So those are the two uh, you know, immediate impacts who weren't here last year. Uh, one other, you know, two other players to mention – uh, I would say Dayon Hayes on the def- uh, defensive end. He was a freshman last year. He got some action. I don't think he- he's not a red shirt as far as I'm aware, but he's going to probably have a bigger impact. He was a- another big recruit who's going to just be, I think, going to really have an impact again this year. And the other one was uh, Daniel Carter running back. Again, the running back depth, just like the wide receiver depth, is surprisingly deep. And it's just, it's weird to see for Pitt right now to see that much depth on the offense and wondering how they're going to be able to use everyone. All right, uh, Chaz, let's get in to Pittsburgh's schedule here and, and ha- how you think they're going to look going into this season. Do you think Pittsburgh will be better than last year? And why or why not? And then we're going to go through that schedule playing what we call win game, lose game, where we get your quick thoughts on whether that game will be a a win or a loss. I'm going to hedge a little bit. I think they're going to be better than last year, but I'm not totally convinced that the record's going to show the same thing simply because they won a lot of games that got really tight. I mean, they, they, I, I lost track of how many one-score games, but you had one-score games that, you know, that went their way, you know, with Virginia, North Carolina, uh, and just a couple, you know, okay, I've already forgotten how many there were, but they just felt like so many games got really close. Like they lost the Miami game really close. There were games that just, they could have easily, you know, just lost at the end, but won, and and so I don't know that they're going to have everything break the same way because you just don't know when you play that many tight games, things sometimes don't work the way you want them to. And there's just enough question marks. You've got a new, like I said, new offensive coordinator change there. You're, 
you're still you know you're still losing the best quarterback they've had you know are you know since probably Marino and I say that as someone who will stand for Tyler Palco every day of the week but probably you know the best one since Marino so there's going to be some things that are going to be different and some changes All right, let's let's take a look at this schedule, Chaz. And and I look at I look at this schedule, and and this is the kind of schedule that I think is is really good for uh, a program like Pitt and where they are at. I mean, it has the kind of games where you can, you know, kind of make a, 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 a gain some attention nationally, uh, but then. You know, it's it's not over. You know, there's not an Alabama on the schedule, which we've seen. You know, teams that schedule them early in the season, kind of derailing the season right away. But but this is this is a good schedule, I think. And I'm really curious on your thoughts here. And you and you get out of the gate with a Thursday night game against uh, you know your one of your biggest rivals, West Virginia. I can't tell you how excited I am for that game. I just rivalry. This is why you want to play these games. These are rivalry games for, you know, as much as we talk about, we want to play for national championship. You want to play for the big prizes. You want to win these rival games. And West Virginia is just, it's wonderful. Hate. I love hating them. They're worthy of my hate. It's enjoyable. It makes me happy when I hate them. And so playing them and hopefully, you know, crushing their soul is, is on the list. So I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, I just have to believe that Pitt's going to win that. It's, you've obviously got the underlying, you know, the storyline of JT Daniels and Keaton Slovis, you know, both USC transfers. I mean, JD, J, you know, Daniels hasn't played in how long because apparently he was good, but not good enough anywhere, which is, you know, very interesting. Slovis is going to, has something to prove. That's going to be a lot of fun because no one, has forgotten how much they hate each other on this one. I enjoy, I, I join you in your hate of West Virginia. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, JT Daniels is, is an interesting case. You know, he goes, he, he transfers, he ends up at Georgia, and, you know, they thought that, that was gonna, he was going to be the guy. I mean, okay, Georgia still won the national championship without him, and, and you know, having Stetson Bennett um, as a quarterback, but – I mean, you know, if we're, if we're being honest, Stetson Bennett is not why Georgia won the national championship. He was very much a game manager, and JT Daniels could not beat him out. Um, I, I think he's he's a quarterback that's not kind of he's not as good as as it gets put out there. I, I think Pittsburgh's going to have the better quarterback in that game. Yeah, I, I think with Daniels is it's just something missing, and. Yep. It's, it's, it's so intangible because you can look at all the – it's, again, one of those things. You can look at all the tools and everything else, but there's something missing. And it just doesn't you – know, it's just you don't know what it is, but it's not there when you see him play. Yep, yep. I think you're, you're exactly right on that. Um, then after West Virginia, um, th- this is another really quality matchup, playing an improving Tennessee team that you beat last year. Uh You've got Tennessee coming to Heinz Field. That's that's going to be another great game. I had friends that went, you know, 
in my, my ticket group that went down there and had a great time. They loved being down. They loved the trip down there. Tennessee, I, I, figure, I figure Tennessee fans are going to be showing up because they're excited about their program right now. Everything is, you know, they've got hype, hype there and hype. They've got all the stuff with the NIL just that's giving them all the attention and they're bringing in. There's a lot of positivity in Tennessee. I don't want to go quite that they're feeling Arkansas good, but they're feeling really good about themselves. And that's going to be a wild game. And I, I don't know for sure. I mean, the one thing I'll say on Pitt's fa- favor is they've never lost to Tennessee. They've played like five or six times now, and they've yet to lose to Tennessee. So I'm going to say in, you know, in the second, the return game of the Johnny Majors Classic, Pitt pulls this one off. But it's going to be a crazy one. All right. So, you know, if you get those first two wins. Now the schedule kind of eases up, and it really can take off over the next three weeks. Uh, you go after that Tennessee game at Western Michigan. I feel better about Western Michigan this year than I did last year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not just because we lost that game, but because they don't have the quarterback or Sky Moore at wide receiver who just destroyed Pitt. So uh, that, was, that was so painful, especially because Sky Moore actually came from the Pittsburgh area. Uh, it's going to be up in Kalamazoo, which I've never been to, and I have no interest in going there, to be quite honest. But <laughs> I, you know, the, I Pitt should win that game. I mean, it just they're going to they're going to need to win that game. It's after two straight big games, a lot of emotions. That's the only thing they can work against them is having to go on the road, you know, against a team they know they should beat. But they're just going to be, a, you know, a little drained they don't again what works against what against them being drained is the fact that they know they lost this team last year and that was that nearly soured the season it it nearly soured the season for the it's for the fan base the fan base was so ready to just quit on that team at that point when they lost last year to western michigan i cannot understate enough how much it felt like everything was about to fall apart again when they lost western michigan last year Yep, yep, gotcha. So, little revenge on the mind of Pitt Panthers against them. Uh, after Western Michigan, you come back home and you host Rhode Island. Yeah, uh, the only thing you can say about that is that was where Narduzzi uh, played part of his college ball after he transferred from Youngstown State after his dad got fired as the Youngstown State coach. So, this is giving them a giving his old school a pro uh, a pay game. There should not really be any question about how this game ends. So Pitt should win that one fairly easy. All right. After Rhode Island, uh, you play Georgia Tech. uh, Program, total disarray. Uh, When I saw the schedule come out, after already having to play um, Clemson, Central Florida, Ole Miss uh, in the first few weeks of the season, and then to see Pittsburgh up there – I think as the fifth game of the schedule for Georgia Tech is probably going to send them to one and four. And, you know, it's going to have the fans ready to just get Jeff Collins out of Georgia Tech. This was this was bad for Georgia Tech to get Pittsburgh, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't see a good path forward for Georgia Tech and Jeff Collins. It's kind of funny. Uh, Jeff Collins rubs people the wrong way and 
God knows I have a coach that rubs a lot of other fan bases, co- people the wrong way. So I understand. But so when you see that guy, you know, so everyone kind of enjoys seeing him suffer in that respect. I mean, you don't, I don't, I don't bear Georgia tech per se any malice, but Jeff Collins, everyone kind of is, I don't think I'm wrong here in saying a lot of fan, other fan bases look at him go asshole. And, <laughs> I, I know they say the same thing about Narduzzi. I have no, I no question about that because he can be, but he's a, he, you know, he's my asshole, so it's fine. <laughs> In all fairness, Jeff Collins rubs his own fan base the wrong way right now. <laughs> well, yeah, when you're losing, no one likes you. All right, so um, you get by Georgia Tech, and, and here's a, a, a critical early, uh, early season coastal game against Virginia Tech and their new coach. Yeah. Um, speaking of pe- rubbing people the wrong way, no, wait, Fuente's gone. That's right. It's Prino. <laughs> so I had to get one last shot in. He's no longer here, but it's still fun to take shots at him. Uh, <laughs> now, Fred uh, Pry should be interesting. I, I'm very curious to see how that goes. Obviously, he's doing everything right, right at the moment with you know building up the relationships locally. And really getting out there, he's not trying to do the whole Texas to Virginia Tech thing or whatever that whole hashtag was. He's, you know, so that's that's important because it really has. It's been inexplicable to watch how many people, how many kids from Flor from Virginia Tech. I'm sorry, did I say Florida? From Virginia, Virginia area have left to go somewhere else. You know, and they should have been recruited to Virginia Tech. They just they. Lot, so many of them seemed like they were natural fits and just didn't go. To say nothing of all the players that transferred out of Virginia Tech. But let's let's be honest. Right now, Virginia Tech is in a full rebuild. So I'm going to say Pitt wins this one, which is, you know, just right now is, you know, just a little more salt in the wound for Virginia Tech fans. But I'm, I'm all for it, especially since the, you know, since their head coach came from Penn State. So it's even better right now. All right. Um, you know, then you get a much needed bye week uh, on October 15th. You come back two weeks later, uh, then you go on the road and you play at Louisville. Yeah, I don't know what to expect from Louisville, except they lo- they're lo- they keep losing players. And again, it's amazing. Louisville, you know, in football and basketball made these two hires that everyone said, these are great hires. I mean, when they hired Chris Mack for basketball, when they hired Satterfield for football, so it was like, man, they just keep reload, reloading on coaches. They're, they seem to get it right. And obviously Mack just did not work out, which I, I don't, no one can quite explain, but other than just, he's, you know, he was too thin skinned for the job apparently. And it was Satterfield, he apparently didn't want to be there almost from the first year looking to get out. And there's just, there's a sense there that I don't, no one's happy. The, the coach isn't happy. The program, you know, the fans aren't happy. That's just an unhappy place. Uh, I, you know, so I like, you know, just their talent is down. They lost another, I believe they had a wide receiver transfer, one of their top wide receivers transfer out recently. So I, you know, I, I don't see how Louisville pulls that one off. So I'm going to go with another pit win, which is just terrifying at this point. All right. Uh, then you go stay on the road. You play at North Carolina. And we've yet to lose to Mac Brown. 
And so I, we couldn't beat we you know Narduzzi could not beat Fedora, but he hasn't lost to Mac Brown, you know. And I, I and again, there's talent all over on North Carolina. Their recruiting classes have been excellent. You like the co- you, you look at the coaching staff. You say these are some good coaches here, and they've got some. And they they haven't put together. I'm I hate saying this. I, this is where Pitt's going to ha- suffer a loss. I just okay. It's, it's going too well, too far, and so yeah, they're going to get upset at North Carolina. Don't okay, okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, then you go back home and you host uh, Syracuse. Yeah, that one I'm not as worried about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, they're technically our rival. They in you know they they they've been the longest you know continual played team. You know, now that we've had breakups with, uh, you know, West Virginia and Penn State. But, need, you know, Syracuse and Pitt don't see each other as football rivals. We just see each other as, you know, someone who's beat up on the other when the other's down for many years. And Syracuse is still down, so Pitt is still beating up on them. I don't see that changing this year. All right. Um, then you go on the road, you play at Virginia – uh, they they've got Brennan Armstrong coming back. Um, they got a new coach, Tony Elliott. Tony Elliott. Uh, but I think this is going to be a pretty prolific offense in Charlottesville. I don't know about the defense, but uh, they're going to be a handful on offense. Yeah, if Bronco was still there, I would be wor- really worried about this game just because I really like what Mendenhall can do on the get the, a defense to play even when he doesn't have the guys to do it. But I don't see them having the defense to hold up. I don't, especially this late in the season, I just see some things breaking down. I like Brennan Armstrong a lot. He's another one of those, he's just a big, strong quarterback that will make plays. And he nearly made enough plays against Pitt last year when they, you know. But I'm going to, yeah, that one I'm saying that Pitt pulls out. It's not going to be pretty, but they're pulling that one out. Okay. Uh, Then you close out the home portion of your schedule by hosting uh, Duke. Uh, Duke's in a, you know they've got a new coach, but they're in a complete rebuild. Not a very, there's not much talent there at Duke right now. Yeah, uh, this is a good game to get yourself together for the season finale because yeah, there's not much else there with that. Duke is just yeah, they they've fallen fallen way back. It's a it's a complete tear down rebuild, whatever you want to call it. They're they're just battling with Georgia Tech to see who stays out of the cellar in the coastal. All right. Uh, then you go on the road, and the, you know this could be the game that decides the Coastal Division. Uh, at Miami, uh, Cristobal's there. He's put down, put together an outstanding staff. They're stocking up talent. Uh, th- this is going to be two good football teams, I think, going at it. A great quarterback. They've got Van Dyke. Yes. Yes, I'm familiar with Van Dyke. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Not forgotten that game. Uh, this is. This is just gonna. This is gonna be a wild game, and they they, they even I don't, they did the schedule I guess before Cristobal came, was hired I think, or was it after? Because this just seems so way too set up perfectly for you know the whole thing. I mean Cristobal is a really good coach. Let's you know there's did he not do everything he should have at Oregon? Absolutely, but then you look at what he did when he was, was FIU right? He was at FIU. 
Uh, yeah, I mix up FIU and FAU. That's why I'm asking it. <laughs> but I think it's FIU he was at before the AD decided to fire him because he interviewed for other jobs, which was an insane. But uh, he's a he's really good at getting the, the players, you know, focused and motivated. And I like I said, as far as a coach goes, I do like him. I think he's going to – at the same time, I'm, everyone's been saying Miami is back every time, and you've got a Miami guy. You had a Miami guy in my, Manny Diaz. He was from Miami. It was everything about it. Same with Cristobal. I think it's still going to take a little time, so Hit is going to somehow pull this game out because somehow they lost that game last year, and even the record against Miami is so bad, but every – so often Pitt – finds one of those wins, this is going to be the win year for it. All right. And I, I looked, I had to look that up. It was uh, FIU. It's, you know, Miami is interesting because you're right. They always say this is the, the coach with the, you know, with the, with the right connections there in Miami to, to bring it back. But I, I don't know the, I, this one, I think is going to have some, some staying power, especially because, you know Miami as a, as a fan base and their their boosters seem really invested in, in in putting together things with the NIL. I and I think they're going to be able to. They've had talent. I actually heard something recently that said over the last maybe it was five or ten years. I can't quite remember which Miami had put more players into the NFL than any other team in the ACC. But um, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to get to the point where I can say, you know, Mike Cristobal is going to be the guy to get them back, but I think they're going to be much more consistent than, than they have been over the last few years. I think, I think that's a good point. I think consistency is the first thing they need to shoot for. I, I don't think the U, as it were, is, is going to be back for a couple more years, but if they can get to consistency where they're beating the teams they should beat, and playing well against even the teams they lose to, that's going to be a huge step up from where they've been. And that's, that's, that would be tremendous progress because, frankly, they're just – again, it, it, with Miami, and this is going off on a tangent, but Miami is a fascinating tangent. They have been, everyone is, keeps waiting for them to come back because our view of Miami is crystallized. For me, it was, you know, my age – it was the late it was the late eighties, nineties with the U with Jimmy Johnson, Dennis Erickson, that whole run of just the you know, such power and you know, so dramatic. And many others, you know, it's the early, you know, late nineties, you know, very late nineties, early two thousands, you know, Butch Davis, Larry Coker time when they just put together a team that was just unstoppable and had talent, just NFL talent everywhere. And it just you 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 have that crystallized in your head. You're like that's how they're supposed to be, just like you have in your head how you know certain teams are at that point, and then you it's like, but they're not good anymore. And Miami has been like all about we've got swagger back, without actually having any of the actual consistency. Everything that Jimmy Johnson or any of the coaches that really put that team together did was that they were so much better and they were just you know had an attitude about it. they could back the attitude up they, they, they've been putting the attitude ahead of the ta- of the actual performance for so long 
Right, right. Yeah, totally, totally agree with you on on that. I mean, we saw some glimpses, some flashes, you know, during Mark Mark Rick's tenure, but you know, they fell back with Diaz. We'll see if Chris Strobel is the guy to finally, um, you know, get them over the hump. Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you now as uh, we have uh, the last couple questions of the podcast for Chaz. Now, Chaz, I did admittedly, you knew I was going to ask you about pit basketball. I had to, but I'm also going to ask you now about the pulse of the Pittsburgh football program and the fans and what they think of the status of the program and what you feel. Jeff and I started off with this podcast, Chaz, that Pitt is going to be one of the favorites to win the ACC. It's certainly one of the top three favorites, we think, to win the ACC and maybe the top favorite based on the talent returning to win to win the Coastal. I mean, you just want you, you you won the ACC football title. You you have a quarterback who's probably going to be drafted in the perhaps the top ten in the you know top ten in the draft, maybe top six, right? I mean, you're sitting. You got to be feeling pretty good right now. You know, that's the thing. We feel good and we're terrified of it. <laughs> we're not used We're not used to this. I mean, it's nice. It's a really it's a weird feeling because there's optimism and it's earned optimism. And yet, the, you know, here's the thing to remember. Like I said, last year, you know, we it, it, there was a lot of belief that the 2020 was going to be the year even with the COVID and things Things were messed up in 2020. Things just didn't work out. It was a bad season. And there was a lot of frustration. And when, you know, like I said, when the Western Michigan loss happened, again, this is where you, you can see things cycle back. This was a Dave Wanstat type special. This was losing to Bowling Green at the start of the season type thing. And again, it was a MAC team, no less. It was just, Oh, come on. You cannot lose these games. And yet you did. And so there was, you know, that was just, that could have been the end of it there. There was, you know, there was, you know, just a lot of frustrations. Like he's never going to do it. This, this team's just not going to put together. You know, Narduzzi isn't the guy. And then they just reeled stuff off and just really, you made you believe. I mean, and again, a lot of it was picket picket was tremendous last year, but also things just really clicked everywhere else. The receiving core stopped, you know, the years, prior two years, they, were, they led the conference. They led the almost, I think they may have almost been top five in, you know, FBS in drop passes by receivers. The drop passes felt, you know, stopped happening. And some of that may have been a pick. It just got so much more accurate that the ball's, weren't just being placed on the hands, they were placed in the right spot. But everything just started hit coming together and everything, you know, just made you believe. And we're looking, you look at the way this has developed. This is what Narduzzi has been building and you now can see the, you can see he's actually reached it. He's got depth all over the defense where he likes it. Would we like a little more deep depth at certain spots? Yes, but that's not, un, you know, everyone wants more depth. The offense is looking incredibly balanced right now because you've got good, you know, good receivers. You've got good running backs. The offensive line is, you know, well-aged, I guess is the best way to put it. They're, they've been there together. So everything seems to be right there. He's 
built this, you know, with depth. This is what you need to do with a pit foot, you know, with pit. You can't just say, oh, we're going to just bring in a bunch of top talent and let them turn loose. You're going to develop them. And that's what they've done. It's just, it's taken time and it's been frustrating because you don't want to wait. No one wants to wait. So there's a lot of optimism, you know, and there better be because they just signed him to, they finally got the extension on Narduzzi's contract done. So he's not going anywhere for a while, especially if they may have to, you know, make a change in the basketball program real soon. So, yeah, everything is oddly positive. And this is why I'm drinking a lot lately. Well done. Well done. Okay. It's open microphone time. The floor is yours, Chaz. What do you got? Oh, I had so many, I had, I had a few possibilities cause there's just, again, I haven't, I've got to get my website fixed cause I just haven't had a chance to, I haven't been able to write some of the stuff I've been thinking about, but I'm going to talk about NIL because well, everyone's talking about NIL right now. Cause we're talking about Miami. Uh, I believe you saw probably at Miami, basketball just signed uh the kansas state transfer for and announced it basically with an nil deal that's paying him that just borders right on the edge of uh paper play because it's going to be a two two years eight hundred thousand dollars for for uh the because of uh one of their new mega donors or donors that just decided he uh i want to he wants to have a winning team and i'm not too worried about this stuff i mean it's everyone's freaking out about nil because you're seeing these insane numbers and yes they're insane and i have no idea what the black market was what the, you know when we had the bagman when everyone was everything was underground we had no idea what teams were paying you know what teams or boosters were paying certain players to go to a certain program right now everyone is trumpeting what they've got because they're trying to make it so that they can sell, you know, they're selling the program as well. They're selling, hey, we will pay to bring you here. And it's a little crazy, but if you, t- you know, it's just, I guess I just look at it as, this is a short, that's a short-term thing. It's all shake itself out because it's just not sustainable. That kind of money throwing at it, you, it unless you've got, you know, that many crazy people, which, you know, I guess I shouldn't underestimate human human humans for that but there's gonna be a point where everyone goes no okay we're gonna throttle it back because it's just not making sense but right now it's just kind of fun and what we've got is we've got great transparency i mean if you've ever gone out looking for a job the one thing you always want is to know what the hell people are making so you know what the right salary to look for is and right now you know what to look for if you're a player, if you're transferring or, or if you're, you know, coming out as a four star, five star, if you're a highly touted recruit, you know what people want to give you. And that's that's good. That's a good thing. It won't last because just people are going to say this is going to be silly or as often happens, you know, there's going to be some sort of regulation put in that's going to say, nope, we're going to kind of throttle this back because we just need to put a restraint on there, even though the Alston decision seems to say otherwise in everything else, once the government decides, Hey, we're going to put a restraint in there, there's going to be restraint. And that may happen. 
It won't come from the NCAA because the NCAA has done nothing. I mean, I don't hate the NCAA the way a lot of people like to condemn it. But I will say this about Emmert. Emmert has no courage to actually lead. He just like says, hey, I think this is bad, but I'm not going to actually try and do anything about it. I'm not going to try and expend any you know, capital on this. I'm just going to say, I disagree with this, and then shrug my shoulders. So eventually, this stuff will sort itself out, but it's not anything you, everyone needs to worry about yet. It's just... It's just kind of weird right, and funny right now. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Jeff, you're up. Yeah, an announcement today uh, out of North Carolina that's going to affect ACC basketball and the Tar Heels. Um, Caleb Love is returning next year, and I think, I think North Carolina is going to be a preseason top three. They might even be number one. They return their entire starting lineup – except for uh, Manic that went to the national title game. And, you know, the, the past couple of years, up, up through uh, until the NCAA tournament this year, you know, we just heard, oh, the ACC is down. It's kind of regressing. Uh, yeah, Duke has the best recruiting class in the country coming in. North Carolina um, is going to have arguably the best starting lineup, most experienced and talented uh, in the country, those are two teams that can get to the Final Four again. And, you know, with teams expected to be considerably better than they were, Akihei Clark coming back for Virginia. Kind of weird, though. Some Virginia fans weren't as excited about that as I would have ex- expected. Uh, I mean, I know I know Kihei uh, Clark is not the greatest shooter, but, I mean, he's been through it all. I mean, Tremendous ball handler. He's been in big games. The guy can play. Give me an experienced point guard um, like Kihei Clark any day. So I think you're going to see Virginia rebound. Virginia Tech, your reigning ACC champion, solid ground. Florida State's going to be better. Um, If you didn't get the ACC in basketball the last couple years prior to the tournament, um, it's back. Because they're going to have two teams that can win a national championship next year. And and Caleb Love really turns North Carolina into a team, is one of those two teams along with Duke and how talented they will be. Uh, I think Jeremy Roach is back back for them. So there's going to be, you know, that star power, those high-profile teams that we hadn't seen for a couple of years until, you know, what happened in the tournament. But Caleb Love coming back for North Carolina – Huge, huge news for the Tar Heels. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'll just say some brief things here about Virginia about about Virginia Tech. I, it's a little weird for me to sit and watch uh, spring sports here and seeing that Virginia Tech has t- has a t- has top ten teams in. Uh, baseball and softball at the same time i it's i think i i'm not sure i've ever seen that so it's it's pretty cool jeff talked about it earlier in the podcast about how how uh how how the how the acc is going to have uh have a really good spring with 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 teams uh doing well in both baseball and softball and with several teams that are able to host either softball or baseball 
regionals. So I would look for a, a, a fun a fun summer ahead and probably some good Directors Cup finishes for several several ACC schools. So that is my open mic for today. Chaz, thank you so much for joining us on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. You were a great guest, and we would love to have you come back on the show again sometime. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. Have a great week, guys. Take care. Bye, guys.